Welcome back to another episode of The Handoff with Harrison Hamilton. I'm Jeff Hamilton, obviously my co-host Andrew Harris, Winnipeg Blue Bombers running back. Uh, been a while, Andrew. How you been, man? Been busy. Sorry we've been away. I've been busy with, uh, been busy getting on this run and I've uh, been coaching soccer and um, working on some projects off the field. So, I mean, it's uh, it's been busy, but uh, glad to be back right now. I thought it was you were ignoring it because I, well, first of all, I thought that the podcast was at the top of your list of priorities and I got that a, a good reminder over the last five weeks. That's just not the case. But I also figured that this was also a good luck charm because the last time we talked, man, we were, we were chatting about, damn, who, who should pick up at the trade deadline, how, how this team was going to turn around. You hadn't won. So you'd won, you've won five straight. So it's safe to say that, that this is a, a little bit of a different vibe, obviously. Can, maybe we'll just, I mean, we don't like to talk about, necessi- we don't like to date ourselves on the, on the podcast, but let's talk about this, just this run that you guys have had. What's, what's been the biggest turnaround? I know you've, you've, asked, you've been asked that question and answered, but this is the podcast. This is where you can tell the, the full truth. What happened? Why is it a five-game win streak? Is it really just focusing game to game and, and, and staying true to yourself, or was there something different? You know what I think it was? It was the fact that we didn't pick anyone up on the trade deadline, <laughs> and everyone realized that this is the – no, honestly, I really just think that uh, – I really just think that, you know, three phases of the game have come together, and, I mean, our defense has been playing unreal offensively. I think, you know, Matt – um, has turned a corner and, and turned a page from, you know, the struggle that he was going through. And, you know, we really rallied around him. I think our, our you know, our run game has, has come a long way and, and, and been more dynamic with getting Dembski involved, Dressler involved, and myself and, and Chris Dregler involved as well. So, um, and then special teams have been solid. I think, you know, those three phases have been solid. And before, you know, we'd have games where one of those three phases would be, you know, have a, have a bad game, you know, just, just flat out. You know, blowing coverage, or you know, have have a game where we're not producing at all on first down, and, and we're not converting on second downs, and you know, it's just two and out after two and out after two and out. Um, you know, and you know, when you, you put all three phases together, um, and everyone's contributing, and uh, it's complementary football, it definitely makes a big difference. And uh, I mean, as, as 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 much as I did joke about the fact that we didn't do anything, I think that does kind of speak volumes about how this club is and how tight we are and really just believing in what we have and, and not and not good not set into panic mode um just 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 riding it out uh, having having faith and, and trusting the process and um now it, it's every since this five game win streak it's just been about going one and zero every 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 week and every game and um, we've been getting it done we were talking about matt nichols you know, a month and a bit ago, and and how he was maybe a bit overwhelmed with what was going on around him. Obviously, some of the uh, some of the criticism from fans, you know, in a lot of ways deserved. I mean, particularly with the stats, but I mean, different things go on behind the room. You, you said you noticed a little bit of a change from Matt. What have what have you seen from him? Just kind of a, a regain of confidence, or, or, or what's has him playing? You know, obviously some of his best football right now. Yeah, I think I think Matt always comes to work, and and you know he. He does the right things. I, th- I just think there was a different, different confidence, and you know, sometimes it, it just, it, it could just be mental. You know, it could be a mental block. There could be something going on. You know, where you don't, you're not trusting yourself. You're not trusting your eyes. And then when things don't work out, you get frustrated. And I think that was happening a little bit with Matt. And at the end of the day, you just, you, you got to realize that you've been putting, a, you put a lot of work into, you know, becoming a professional. 
and and a professional quarterback at that as well. So you know you just gotta trust what you're good at, trust what your instincts are. Don't try to force too many things. And it happens to every football player in, in certain points of, of their career, or you know certain points of a, um, a season or even a game at, at that where you're, you're just trying to do too much. You're trying to you're trying to be something that you're not, or, or you're not you're not trusting the process of how how you got to where you are and and the things that you do well. And uh, you know I think that he just zeroed in on on those those attributes that are that are that are his that he when he when he's playing his best and and really that confidence just came back to him and he, he got back to being the Matt Nichols that we all know and love. You guys are in a place you haven't been in all season and that's the top of the power rankings. And I'm not saying you're at every single top of the power rankings, but the majority of the ones that I've seen have you guys up at the top. Obviously five straight victories in a row hanging into the playoffs where you want to be. You're peaking at the right time. You seem to be playing some of your best football. Like you mentioned, you've been getting contributions from all three phases. Do you feel like you're the hottest team going into the playoffs? Or who is the hottest team heading into the playoffs? Honestly, man, I, I don't really care who is the hottest team. I just feel like we're, where we're at, I think, as a whole. Um, and I talk about peaking at the right time, peaking at the end of the season. It's not where, how, like how you start as much as, you know, being great and begin the season and, and holding that throughout the whole season is, is great. I mean, you look at a team like Calgary who was looked like they were, you know, invincible and, and you know, they, they couldn't be beat, you know, not, and you look at them now, you know, and it's like, okay, wow, that's, that's a whole different team because of injuries and, you know, confidence and, and momentum. And, you know, I think of, you know, where we were a month and a half ago to where we are now, we're nearing our peak, we're, we're getting to a point where we're, we're playing our best football. I still think there's improvement to be had. Um, you know, but I think even just looking at all offensively, you know, we rushed for over 150 yards as a team. You know, Matt threw for his uh, first 300-yard game, over 300 yards. I think our defense was stout, you know, maybe, maybe plays when we had to. And, you know, all those things are positive things that, uh, you know, show that you're peaking at the right time. So, I mean, to, to compare ourselves to anyone else, I'm not really comparing ourselves to anyone else. I just think that where we're at right now is is nearing, you know, playing our best football. And, and that's important at this stage of the, in, of the season and going into the playoffs. The other thing, and I'll let you knock on wood on this, perhaps, is that you guys are healthier than you've ever been. Yeah, and, and, and and the crazy thing, <laughs> and the crazy thing about it is, if you rewind a year from from today, it wasn't the case last year heading into the playoffs. You were you had, didn't have Darvin Adams, you didn't have Jamal Westerman. You really were you kind of were the underdogs, despite being a home team. And you know we talk about who who might be the hottest team heading in the league or heading into the playoffs. And and for years it was like you wanted to go through the East. And I know you know people will point to the stats of well, no one's crossed over to the East and, 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 uh, or crossed over in division and won, and won the Great Cup. And, and that's completely true. I mean, you do have to, you have to make your, if you're the crossover team, you got to go through the road. But this year, I don't know if that's the case. Brandon Banks being lost with Hamilton is a, is a huge blow. Ottawa, you've beaten them on the road this season, um, but they're also a, a great team. Trevor Harris seems to, be, seems to be playing super well. You head over to the West and it's Regina and Calgary. Assuming that Calgary can, can get it done this week, I imagine the BC Lions are going to address a, a watered-down lineup, having them already punch their ticket to the crossover. But it might just be ad advantageous for you guys to go through the West this season. I mean, you have a Calgary team who's, who's been invincible for years, but all of a sudden is, is banged up, is missing four of their top receivers. Obviously, when they played you guys uh, last week, they, they were missing four starters on defense. And then Regina, a club that you, you lost some pretty close games too, you know, in the back-to-back -back earlier in the season, but a team you blew out 31 nothing uh, most recently. I mean, where do you see it? Do you see the West as being as dominant as it's been in the past? 
I think I think either one is is going to be tough. Even people talking about whether we should be or if, if it's easier to go to Calgary first or Saskatchewan first. I think at the end of the day, we're going to have to play three of those teams that are hot right now, which is that this Ottawa, Calgary, Regina. At some point in time, whether it be Western semifinal, Western final, and then the Grey Cup. But I think you know, for us, it's it's, it's again, it's not about anyone else. It's about where we are as a team, as a whole, and how we're gonna how we're gonna go one and zero each week. But uh, for me, it doesn't matter who we go play against. I don't, you know, I don't look at, you know, is it hard to play in this stadium? Is it hard to play in that stadium? Is it hard to play against this defense? I think that, you know, we got to, whatever whatever situation, whatever um, whatever team we're playing, whatever environment we're going to, you just got to embrace that, prepare for it. And uh, either way, it's not going to be an easy game. So just, just come prepared for any situation. I mean, let's get real for a second. Imagine you have to travel to Regina. You obviously have that, that most recent game where you guys shut them out. That's an, like, it seems like an impossible thing to do in the CFL. And then you kind of get into a fight afterwards. There's a little bit of a scrap here. Obviously, there's that rivalry brewing. I mean, what would that matchup be in the playoffs? That's going to be, that would be an intense game. Well, I think, you know, us and us in Saskatchewan have such a big rivalry at the least amount of games where it, where it's there's no implications on the line. But you know a playoff game in their building, you know that's a big one. Um, I love playing there personally. I know a lot of people are worried about the crowd noise and the environment. To me, I get I get fired up in those situations, and a lot of guys do. And you know there's no better feeling than going to someone's stadium and shutting up 30,000 people. That's having said, you know how many how many fans would we we bring out to that game as well? I think there'd probably be some kind of ticket ticket bounty on not making sure that no no Winnipeg people will be in that stadium, but. Honestly, I think either either situation is going to be a rowdy one, an exciting one, and you know we're looking forward to uh, however it plays out. What's your take? It's a question that that arises. It's been arising for the last few years, at least, about the playoff format yeah. with West and East. And obviously, these last few years, it's been you know there's been some situations where it's the second, third, fourth place team in the West could be the the first place team in, in the East and and whatnot. And as we know that crossover, you, you have to be third place. You don't leapfrog anybody. A lot of people are, you know, like the traditional route, right? Like the fact that there's East West, like the, the rivalries between the teams and whatnot. And I, and I don't know if that necessarily goes away if you rejig the, the format and just kind of go one division and, and have the top six teams make the playoffs. What's your take on that? I mean, at the end of the day, for a team, I'm, I'm just looking at the sta- at the standings right now. But to have Hamilton be at eight and nine and being, you know, second second place and hosting a playoff game, I think that, you know, with 16 points, and then to have a team like Edmonton be dead last and out of the playoffs, I mean, it just shows that, you know, you can kind of be mediocre throughout the year and and still, you know, be war- rewarded with a home playoff game. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. But uh, I don't know, you know, if changing the format will make a difference because there's times where, you know, it's flipped. And, you know, again, too, with, with, with our division having five teams, I think that's a disadvantage as well, you know, because it's, you know, it's one extra team that you're battling against to, to make it to that playoff run or to make it into the playoffs. So, I mean, there's there, there's a bunch of different things that, you know, are, are fair and unfair about it. But uh, I think ultimately the, fa- the fact of the matter is, you know, you look at a team like Toronto last year who was 9-9, nine and nine, you know, gets into the playoffs and then wins it all. I mean, it just goes to show that it doesn't matter, you know, where you start how you finish but the fact that they even had that opportunity in the first place was you know because they were in the east but again at eight and nine you know to 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 be hosting a playoff game you know and you got a team like Edmonton who's eight and nine as well and playing their last week and you know that they're not in the playoffs at all I I just think that that just goes to show that something needs to uh, to change but I don't think it'll ever happen while I'm playing that's for sure
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks there. I think it's a joke. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not so much that in like I, I hate the argument. Well, look at Toronto. Look at uh, look at Ottawa the year before that. I mean, they got to the playoffs and they had to get through it. Yeah, they got a first round bye, yeah. and then they got a home playoff game to then go to the Grey Cup. And then and then that being said, neutral ground. You know, all credit to to Toronto last year to beat Calgary when it mattered. But you're you know you're you're going through an easier route not only in in where you line up and where you play the games and and in Toronto and Ottawa's case obviously the last two seasons got that first round bye got to be healthy got to take an a, take on a team that went went through an emotional battle the week before in, in the semifinal game and then have to then be able to play at home to me that um, you know I don't know if I'm down for for necessarily breaking up the divisions but when you look at it I mean how do you not call it a joke I mean that's really what it is and and uh, you're right I mean Edmonton I mean that's a sad situation they're hosting the Grey Cup this year and and they're uh, you know they could finish ahead of the second place team Hamilton and so yeah I'll call it a joke and I think that's something that probably is going to be brought up again this year and and again won't be changed but let's move on to something else. So Cannabis Football League, you can now smoke pot legally in Canada. I, I came out with a story last week about, about cannabis and, and its usage in the league. What's your take on legalization and, and, and maybe how it affects the CFL? I mean, I don't think it changes anything really, to be honest with you. I think people that are smokers are going to smoke and have been smoking. Um, I think it opens up the door that it's just more socially accept- acceptable. But having said that, I don't think that you'll see players, you know, walking down the street with a joint in their mouth. And I mean, that's not that's not a good look for anyone, just like you won't see a player walking down the street with a bottle of vodka in their hand, you know. So, I mean, I'm not a weed smoker, smoker personally. Uh, I am a drinker, though. So, I mean, to me, it's it, they go hand in hand. I mean, I, I really think that weed, you know, the, the legal, legalization of it, the fact that it's being used and it's been governed, I think that that's a good thing because, you know, there's just so many different things out there that, you know, especially having a young daughter that's, you know, growing up and, you know, going to be influenced by drugs and alcohol. But, uh, I mean, for the, the biggest thing is that it's going to be used. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be something that's, that's been around. It's it, it's going to be around for, you know, for years to come. And the biggest thing is that, you know, guys aren't coming into practice drunk and they shouldn't be coming into practice or, or games high. And uh, that's the only difference that, you know, you know, now that it's legal, is it, is it okay to, to, to come in and be around while you're a professional athlete if you're under the influence of anything? But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's been around. It's, it's going to be around. And I don't think the fact that it's legal now is, is, is going to change anything. See, what I find the interesting part about it is it's with the legalization, it's there's kind of two veins when you want to deal with it in professional sports. There's obviously the recreational use, and, and yes, a number of players obviously use it re- recreationally, and, and the expectations are not to show up to work, you know, affected by, by a drug. So I'm assuming, let's just assume that that happens. But then there's the medical part. You know what I mean? There's, I think this opens the door for opportunities in the medical industry to test, you know, for pain and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I imagine, man, you, I mean, the biggest argument, obviously, is this potentially versus prescription drugs. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of players, whether it be football or any other sports league, and not even just at the professional ranks, at the college ranks and even below her, that are, that are using painkillers constantly. And, and as we've, we've seen in, in, endless articles and, and studies or whatever is, is the effects that can have on players. And I'm curious to hear your perspective, Matt, on what maybe, you know, the painkiller culture, if you will, in a dressing room. I mean, it, it's it's rampant, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, even as a, as a player who is, you know, beat up a lot from the position I play, um, again, I, I'd mentioned I'm not a smoker, but I do use CBD oils, which is which is an extract from 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 weed, but there's no THC in it. Right. So I mean, there there is a inflammation, um, pain relief. 
belief aspect to that. Um, again, and that's that's something that again it's totally legal. That I was it was legal before legalization because of the THC levels and that, that there is no THC in, involved in it. There's definitely many aspects to marijuana and and hemp as as a painkiller and pain relief and guys use it for that reason and and for the recreational side of it as well but uh i mean again you know prescription drugs are going to be around and and honestly my first couple of years in the league it was nuts that uh, you know how many painkillers that were they were given out and how, how how it was regulated they definitely tightened down on on you know how many pills guys get per per week or per day and even as a I've seen teammates, you know, that, that like earlier on in my career that uh, abused the, the painkillers and, and really had to go through some, some serious rehab after they were done playing because of, you know, nerve damage and, and certain things that they, they couldn't function um, without, without taking meds and, and really took it to a, to a new level and, and abused it into the fact where they couldn't even get out of bed without it. So, I mean, I've, I've seen both sides of it. It's definitely been, you know, tightened down and, and they pulled the reins back on, and, on how, how many, how, the dosages and, and how much they're giving out. But uh, this is just another kind of wrinkle that, you know, it's another outlet that is almost healthier in, in certain ways. And, and it's, you know, every, every guy, every guy, you know, responds to certain things differently. And um, I'm not, like I said, for myself personally, uh, I've been using the CBD oils for, you know, the last month and a bit. And um, I've definitely noticed a big difference. And again, that's coming from a guy who isn't a, a smoker and, and a weed guy. But uh, um, and I was I was skeptical about it. You know, I was worried about, you know, I didn't, you know, even even the, the image of it, you know, and, and I don't want to have that involved with my brand and, and my who I am. But, uh, you know, it's definitely made a difference in, you know, just the little aches and aches and pains that you have. And I'm a firm believer of it. So um, that's just coming from me as, a again, a guy who isn't a weed guy. So I was going to ask, so you're, it was... It's only been the last month that you've tried it. How, how'd you get introduced to it? Um, yeah, so I've, I had a, have a bunch of buddies who are in this kind of stuff, and I had a buddy t- kind of telling me about this, the CBD, and I was always worried about, you know, I don't want to, I don't have any like the like the psychoactive whatever feeling, and because I. I Honestly, I've, sm- I've smoked weed before, okay? okay. <laughs> I've, I've smoked weed before. You heard it here yeah, first yeah. On, on, on the podcast. <laughs> breaking, <laughs> breaking. Andrew Harris has tried marijuana. And and for me, it, it doesn't doesn't vibe with me. I get like I act weird and I get paranoid, and it's just not something that I enjoy do, doing. So uh, that was that was my biggest concern was I didn't want to have the effects of marijuana because it doesn't vibe with me. So uh, after he you know preached to me that there's no THC, there's none of this stuff that you know give you give you, gives you these kind of effects. So I ended up trying it, and and honestly, it's uh it's it's made a difference in you know how I feel in the morning and and um, you know how I feel throughout the week. So as far as the pain pain. Uh, relief and and inflammation and stuff so yeah I'm definitely a firm believer of it and uh, it's definitely something that uh, you know can go leaps and bounds and you know even for you know certain people that have anxiety or sleep issues and you know stress I mean it, it it does help with all these different things and you know now we're talking about mental health we're talking about pain relief and you know there's there's definitely a lot of advantages with uh, the CBD oils. And that's one of the, the interesting things in, in in my story is that the the alumni association, the CFL uh, AA, is is doing an observational study with 50 players, and and so a lot of people, I think a lot of players, when I was talking to to um, uh, some of those people that are representing the CFL alumni association, the stigma that is out there that they think that using marijuana for medical purposes is strictly you know you go out to your garage you know you you, you listen to a Jimi Hendrix you know <laughs> a record and, and you know you kind of you, you light up when really it's it's like these cannabinoid oils that don't have the THC the the active high if you will in, in the drugs and I think we're going to start seeing with the legalization more studies being done and, and I think we're going to see some really positive impactful things for for players and for other people and particularly players who who've had long careers like yourself who are you know banged up and, and feeling some of that pain maybe 
maybe after after their careers. I, I think this could be something great. But let's yeah. move on here. You have a documentary coming out. I know you were in Vancouver for a little bit over the the most recent bye week. You you shot some stuff um, for it. I, from what I understand, it's it's coming out pretty soon. Is it is it wrapped up? Kind of just talk a little bit about your uh, about your documentary coming out here. Yeah. So uh, when I was working, I'm, I'm I'm a team shot member, which is. Uh, Basically, a, a, they dive into more bios and get to kind of know the player a little bit more. And with with that, uh, the, the production company that was working with Team Sh- with Team Shaw and, and shooting all the all the footage, I got to know the producer and the the, the owner of that company. And um, we did, he just got to know my story a bit more. And uh, so th- so this this documentary, this idea of a documentary, kind of came about about uh, about two years ago. And we started working on it and thinking about different ways to do it and how to shoot it and. Um, so we started about a year and a half ago, and, and um, we, we've been shooting this year. We just wrapped it up in Vancouver, and so basically, it's uh, the title is "I Shouldn't Be Here." Um, it's it's just a it's just a, a deeper dive into my story, to my life. Um, I get pretty personal about you know certain situations and things I've been through. Um, it's it's you know it'll be a half an hour uh, uh, production on on TSN. Uh, it launches on November nineteenth, um, right before the the Grey Cup. And uh, it'll be on six or seven times before the year is done, and and then ran uh, all year next year as well. So I'm definitely excited about it. I mean, uh, there's the football aspect of things, of you know all the things that I've kind of been through and, and gone through, and and the hurdles as being a, a Canadian uh, junior player, uh, but also the personal struggles that I've been through with uh, my family, um, my upbringing, and um, you know just my life as as a whole. So. Um, I'm excited about it. You know, it's gonna. I think it's gonna shock some people. Uh, you know, some of the things I, I talk about. Um, you know, even in my own family, I think you know it's gonna. You know, really open open a lot of people's eyes of how I really feel and and uh, and 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 the struggles that I've been through and and maybe just kind of shed some light on you know. To, to, to younger athletes and, and younger people that are going through things that, you know, your back can be against the wall and you can have, uh, you know, a lot of hurdles to come over or to overcome and, you know, it can be done. And, you know, again, too, you know, the fact that I'm playing the best football of my career at uh, at the age that I am, um, that, it's, that it's never over. And, you know, certain, certain you know, situations, you know, even with, with Wally and BC kind of giving up on me and, and uh, you know, kind of throwing me to the wolves and, you know, coming back home and, and just revamping and revitalized and, um, you know, how much how much more fun I'm having playing football here back at home in my city. So it's, uh, it's I'm excited about it. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be something that's big and, you know, hopefully that uh, this will kind of launch myself into possibly writing a book after. And um, so I'm just looking at, you know, just sharing my story and um, the things that I've been through, and, and hopefully influencing not just athletes but other people to to keep on trucking. And and uh, you know, there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel when things kind of seem dark and, and and dim sometimes. I'm not looking. Well, I am looking for a spoiler, maybe, but is because your your story has been well documented, but obviously not to the degree that. You know, it's it's full full truth, which I imagine you're, you're getting here. And it's not that full truth is, is is necessarily means lies, but you probably leave some things out. There's some things that are personal. Is there a certain part of the documentary that you can share with us? Just maybe if it, I don't want to say one of the tougher parts or whatever, something that maybe people don't know. And, and this isn't this is just maybe a teaser for it. Well, a lot of people. Well, if you really know that, I I just met my father um, when I was 27, and uh, you know just the struggle of, you know, trying to find him and, and understanding that, uh, you know, I didn't have a father growing up. And a lot of people might might think that my relationship with my with my mom was 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 a great one. And I think that's going to open a lot of people's eyes of, you know, seeing that, 
you know, even today to this day that I don't have a great relationship with my mom. And, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, having no dad and not having a great relationship with your mom, you know, how did how did you become such a well-rounded, you know, respectful um, young man and, and going through all the things, you know, going through fatherhood at a certain age and, you know, just how I kind of just figured it out. And I think that it's going to open a lot of people's eyes and, and, and realizing that, you know, I had to figure it out at a young age and, um, and I had to, had a, I was had a lot of things going on in my life and uh, to, to make it to where I was at, you know, starting in the Grey Cup game and, and going through all these things and, and to where I'm at now, um, you know, it's just, it just uh, it's just kind of a full disclosure of, you know, my family life and my upbringing. It's gutsy, man. Like it's gutsy to do these things. These things are, and and I, you know, that's obviously a compliment. I, you know, these you have to kind of, you can't half-ass these things. Yeah. You know, you can't go into a documentary and be like, okay, well, this is kind of what I want to put in. I'd rather leave this out. You kind of need to, you know, put it all out on the table. So I'm going to ask you what you learned about yourself, man. And and it is an interesting process, isn't it? I mean, because you gotta. There's going to be some people that watch this that are going to probably. You know, obviously there's going to be people who are inspired by it, but there's going to be people that are close to you that are going to be like, like, you know, a lot of books, you know, when people write and, and give full exposure. Are you, what, what were the feelings going into it? Well, the, the main part where I'm, when I'm talking about mo- most of these things, um, I had, you know, my best friend, his girlfriend, another really good friend and his girlfriend. And then, and then my fiance were all in the room um, and then the production crew. And, you know, I was crying. Everyone in the room was crying. And, uh, I just really realized, and I, didn't, I haven't really opened up to a lot of people of what I've been through, but you know, I, I've, you know, it was, it was a struggle, and you know, it was a lot of uh, a lot of hurdles I had to overcome, and um, I think you know, it just it just hit people in a certain way. I was like, wow, you know, this guy's been through through some shit, for lack of better words. But uh, you know, it's um, it, it, I mean, like again, I uh, I'm not a very emotional person in public. I am a very emotional per- person behind closed doors. I mean, I cry at tissue commercials and stuff like that. But um, but again, the reason I'm so sensitive like that is because of what I've been through. And I think that it just you know people realize that you know I am emotional. I'm sensitive based on the things that I've been through. But I have such a tough exterior and 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 this kind of persona about myself. And um, for that from for that moment um, and that you know that time that we we're shooting, I really just kind of opened up and, and let it go and, and unleashed, you know, you know, my pain and my and, and the things I've been through. And I think that, you know, people are going to see a different side of me and um, a softer side and, and, you know, probably probably respecting you in a, in a different way. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, some of my best friends and, you know, they've they've kind of understood what I've been through. But this 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 talking about it, this really opened their eyes to really see like, wow, when he said that, yeah, I remember, I remember, you know, hearing about this or seeing him go through this, but I didn't really realize how much how hard that was for him. Or, you know, um, even my, my best friend Elias, he said to me after, he's like, everything you said, I was like, wow, and like it was hitting me, and I and I could feel, you know, and and I just felt a certain, you know, pain for you. You know, I felt like, wow, you know, I was I saw you going through these things, but I didn't really realize that how much it was affecting you. And uh, that's the biggest thing for me is that, you know, in that in that shooting, I had some of the closest people around me, and and they were all in tears, and I think it's gonna definitely, you know hit people in a certain way. Awesome, man. We'll, we'll wait for that. That's going to be an exciting, exciting release, man. you got a crazy story as it is, and, and to, to layer on that, I mean, that's just going to be awesome. Let's shift to gossip. Go from emotional to, to gossip <laughs> around the league. And I, I just want to get your take on a few things that I think are just ridiculous. This is why I love the CFL, because it's, there's so many ridiculous situations. Did you see Ed Ganey's tweet on, on how boring Regina is? I did see that, yeah. I did see that. Um, I'm not really sure what he was, what he was doing there. But uh, talk about your brand. 
I mean, <laughs> could you imagine doing that in Winnipeg? Could you uh, imagine? I mean, you're from Winnipeg, so yeah. maybe it has a different theme to it. But just how stupid? Yeah, that that was that was dumb. I mean, you hold those things in. This is why. So again, this is why social media is is so crazy because, like, you gotta be. You got to be stupid as hell to, to put something out like that. Like, you're in a city, you're going to have a home playoff game, your team has turned it around, and you're going to put something out there that's negative towards the city, that, that's embraced you, that supports you, that, that pays your salary. I mean, especially a guy like that, he's high profile. Like, you know, the guy had how many picks in one game, and, you know, everyone loves him. And, you know, like, just think of endorsements and opportunities to have in your city, and you put something out like that, it's just it's just a blemish, the black mark, and absolutely, absolutely stupid. Just hang with your teammates and... And worry about football, and then after you're done winning the Grey Cup, which is not going to happen this year, um, you can go. Uh, you can go have have your fun and do your thing. But uh, I mean, yeah, during the season, you, you shouldn't be talking about how boring the city is. It should be about you know focusing on the on the team and and, and winning and um, the organization. But uh, absolutely stupid though. Derek Dennis had some choice words. I don't know if you saw his tweet. Well, he did tweet out that he hates playing at IGF, which yeah. to me seemed like a compliment to people in Winnipeg. But he, he had his reasons, and and he talked about the. The cannon the, smoke. Yes, the cannon I did smoke. see he that. So he he referred to the the fog that was that was across the city. I, got, I had a tough time seeing on my drive home, and yeah. I live I live on the other side of the city from the stadium. Yeah. So obviously that was a and the weather. I mean, there's it's not about proving that there's a fog across it, but to have those comments that the cannon smoke it wasn't fog, it was cannon smoke. To me, just seems a little bit ridiculous. Um, he talked about being. I think he talked about being called gay from a from a fan and uh and this is my favorite part about that obviously that is ridiculous that you know it's ridiculous that people even there's so many things you can say to a player that are that are funny that are you know humorous and 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 it doesn't even need to be in good taste to be very honest with you if you want to you know but going after someone's sexuality or, or using those things is just it's so ridiculous but it took five seconds to google Derek Dennis's name and the word gay beside it and it's just there's like 10 different tweets from him from his 20s I just don't understand how people, in, and I'm not putting it all on the PR people. But so, he, so he said something about, he's been tweeting about gay stuff in his 20s? When he's like, just like calling, yeah, like explain it to me here. Yeah, like to be fair, if you, it, we're talking like 2011, which I'm not excusing. It's just, yeah. it's not, it's not. Derek Dennis today it's him and you know in his 20s and and whatever and it's oh yeah I mean there's like there's like 10 I mean people were posting on them and, and he kind of I thought he handled it very well in the sense he's like you know I wish I could teach my the 20 year old me but it, it just kind of got brushed on the rug so there's kind of two things one his comments yeah. which I think are, are, are pretty funny and and about the cannon spoke obviously and number two why wouldn't you just like, is there not like a, do you guys not have like a CFLPA meeting where it's like, hey guys, this is how we're going to do social media responsibly. We don't care what you say, but maybe you take a couple, maybe Google your name and search like your handle with a couple different, we'll call them buzzwords yeah. that you shouldn't be saying and then get rid of those if they exist. Yeah. Well, that that's definitely something that we should probably have implemented because we don't. But uh, I think it's gone a lot better. I think before, like earlier years when Twitter just kind of came out, I think guys were kind of reckless of what they would say and how, what they would retweet. You know, they got their buddies from, you know, back home that are tweeting about this and that, and they're retweeting and talking about it. I mean, like, there's certain things on your timeline that shouldn't be, you know, put forward. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the, the smoke, I literally thought at first, I was like, wow, this, this can smoke sticking around. And then it just kept coming in more heavy and heavy. And then, you know, to, to say that the can smoke, just flooded the whole city with fog. Like he must have. They they flew home right after the game. They must have seen the smoke on the way to the airport, and then on the on the tarmac and taking it off. But uh, I just think you know it just shows that 
Calgary as a whole are sore losers and they, they can't handle that. And they, they really, they are front runners in a sense where whenever they are losing in, the, in that situation, even on the field, I mean, like how, how, the things they were talking about and not like defensively and, you know, they just don't like losing. And I, I, I can respect that, but they can't handle losing as well. So, I mean, it just really shows um, a lot of what, what Calgary's all about and, and, and how they are. And, you know, to me, it, it's just interesting to see a team that's so dominant and respected in the league. Um, how they handle situations and, and, and especially one in a losing matter. So if you wants to blame it on our fake crowd noise, you forgot about that one oh, too. Right, I was trying to figure out what that number one yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, the fake crowd noise, you know, how fans talk. I mean, again, you're, you're a professional athlete. People are going to say, you know, a, a drunk guy who's had 12 beers um, in the stands, or, you know, they're going to say whatever they can to, to get a reaction out of you. And, I mean, you, you have to have tougher skin than that. And, yeah, yes, it's not accept acceptable, but uh, – that's not the worst thing I've heard or, or been called before. So, I mean, you know, got to have thicker skin than that, uh, Derek Dennis. And, uh, you know, this, as far as the smoke's concerned, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, that's just a lame excuse for, for, for an L. You know, it's, it's funny because you, you mentioned you've, you've heard worse or that, that people have said, that, like, what's the worst? Can you even say the worst thing? No, like, I like, can't. Like, even, even, the other, even the night uh, I was out with my fiance on Halloween and, some guy made a comment about, uh, oh, last time I saw you, you were with a, a different girl or something like that. And he was like, okay, and my, my fiance lost it on me because like, I didn't defend her. And I said, this is a drunk guy dressed up as Larry the Cable Guy for Halloween. Like, why are you worried about his little comment? I'm like, yeah, like, like he's like, I haven't seen you in a few years. I'm like, yeah, we, we've been together for two years now. Like, I did have a next girlfriend. Like, why are you so riled up? But, like, that's the thing. Like, you can't, you can't stoop to people's levels you're 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 in the public guy professional athlete you know when there's alcohol involved after a game when there's any like you know you're you're you can't get i'm like did you want me to beat him up it's like well you should have said something you should have i'm like i'm not going to get in a fight with some some guy that's that's wasted uh, and made a comment that you didn't you didn't vibe with i know how to handle myself in those situations i turn the other cheek i walk away but you need to also realize that as well as my as my better half, as my fiance, as my you know, as as my rock, you gotta understand that what, what what gets said to me or to you, we can't handle it as someone else might because the implications of me reacting and snapping or you know doing something about it, it's gonna go a lot farther if it was just a regular person. Um, not to say I'm not a regular person, but I'm in the more I'm in the public eye. I'm a fresh professional athlete, and my reaction, you know, who knows what will happen after that. But it's the same thing for him. You know, you gotta realize you just lost the game. You come out the field, fans are wasted. They're just trying to get a rise at you, you know, and and they got it. That that guy was probably waiting on his Twitter handle to see if uh, he t got that got that tweet, and he's like, yeah, he he was talking about me. That was that was I was the one who called him gay, you know, like that. that that's all they want, and uh, you gave him what they want. So you just gotta, yeah. It, it, it's at the end of the day, it's it's, it's nothing, man. Like one of the one of the last gossipy things I want to talk about is, did you see Duke Williams? Yeah, truck get, is that the thing you got fined for did you get fined you for got that? fined for that did you <laughs> yeah that, i i love it because anytime like i'm i'm real i'm a real firm believer about like being overly confident and cocky and calling people out or even when guy like i've talked about this before with you i think but uh you know after after a touchdown when guys are calling people trash and you know, don't come at me, or you know, or you don't try, like whatever they're saying. Just, just be humble, man. Because at the end of the day, 
you could get run over by Duke Williams. <laughs> That's the best part. So this is Duke Williams yeah. tr- absolutely trucks DB Gary Peters for the BC Lions. Who and and Peters is is calling him on the line. Like yeah. he's not even like he, he, he. So he's calling him on the line. Come at me, come at me. And and I actually was surprised to hear that he got fined on it. Then I rewatched it because when you watch it, all you're all you're watching is him. So what happens is Duke Williams is obviously with with particularly in the CFL where you get a running start. Yeah. This guy is standing still at the line, and Duke Williams. Takes a running start and absolutely runs over. I him. don't understand why I got fined by that. Like, I really don't, because like no, within those five yards. No, you, no. Here's the thing: helmet to helmet. It's crazy when you actually when you rewatch it. And this video has got over 12 million views. It's been it's been sh- it's been shared like crazy. It's it's been shared like crazy. So look it up when you rewatch it, because all all you're watching is it's hilarious because this guy Duke Williams is literally running over this Gary Peters. But when you when you actually look at the video, he takes it helmet to helmet. Like he he goes at his helmet and he rocks him. So he does go, he does lead with his helmet and he does truck him over. So I get the fine, but it's just, I mean, man, like how funny is that video? I mean, it, it just goes to show you to be humble and hungry. Don't don't do this stuff, guys. No matter what, like you could have the best game, you could have the best this that. Like just be humble, you, like because at the end of the day, you can get ran over like a train. Duke Williams in the in the Winnipeg game, you saw Marcus Sales knock him out of the game. That yeah. was that was a huge hit and and a clean hit. Yeah. But Duke Williams was was uh, was same thing. Yeah. Same thing. He was he was given he was given the gears to the to the defense before he got popped too. Karma is a b i t c h. Sometimes sometimes you just gotta just just chill out, man. Just enjoy. It. And that, that was exactly he. Spite or spins the ball, does a little his little thing that he always does, and then boom, next next play, sales lights him up. And again, you know, I don't know what happened before this, but the fact that you're on the line with a 230 pound receiver, and Gary Peters is probably 170 pounds, if that, um, that's just that's just dumb. But characteristic uh, DBs don't usually talk though, do they? Oh yeah, never, <laughs> never. But again, I mean, just just be humble, man. He, and he got served a, a big slice of humble pie here. So hopefully, hopefully he's learned from this experience. Moving over to Zach Caleros, did you see the hit from Odell Willis? Yeah. Okay. So obviously, helmet to helmet, didn't get called. It's just embarrassing, man. And I tweeted out after that, after that, shortly after that call, how I mean, I don't know these spotters in up top. I don't. I think that I don't know. Is that made up? I feel like that's just reiterated every every year, like they actually exist. To me, you have officials missing the call there's no penalty there so chris jones ultimately has to use his challenge to um to 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 reverse the call or to to make it uh, a hit on zach claros you can see the helmet he absolutely you know speaking of trucking guys he absolutely trucks him he's down he's hurt um he's he's taking a while to kind of get up he's on his knees he's he's crouched over both uh refs that are around the plate don't call it the spotter doesn't even recognize that this guy's taking a shot to the helmet it's really brought up a conversation if the cfl is doing a enough for headshots and protecting their players. We've seen some rules in the NFL this year to protect players, particularly quarterbacks. You know, I think there's definitely some debate on whether or not you want to implement those kind of rules. But as a league, I mean, do you think that this is just one example, but do you think they're doing enough to kind of curve these kind of plays? Yeah, I mean, I've been a, a part of, you know, being spotted and said, yeah, you got to take a look at him and make sure that he's OK. But I think that, uh, you know, in this case, I, don't, I didn't actually watch the game. I just saw the hit. Um, so I don't know how, like, how many, because I, I guess he had played in, in, in some plays after. A couple but, plays and then was eventually yeah. taken out by his own team. Yeah, so I mean, again, I, it, it, it's the onus is on the team as well to, 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 to make sure that his their players are okay. 
But uh, to me, honestly, even watching the hit, I mean, I didn't really see it as a head-to-head. I think that their heads did touch, but I don't think that Odell led with his head and was trying to hit him in the head. I think that he hit him with his shoulder and their heads did hit. But um, you got to find a new angle, man. No, I honestly, man, I, I but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, Odell Wills is a dirty I'm, player. I'm old school though. Like I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really old school in the fact that I think that there's a lot of things that are called and, and that shouldn't be. I think we, I think we are baby little in a sense when it comes to head inj- injuries. I know this is a serious thing, a serious issue. But uh, again, it's on the team, it's on the player um, to make sure that they're, they're taking control of the, or, you know, keeping their player safety um, intact. You can't, you can't rely on a spotter or the CFL or someone else to, to deal with that because at the end of the day there's there's no invest there's no vested interest in into making sure that he's all right for his personal sake or the team's sake and I think the onus just needs to be more on the on the, on the player himself and and the team it shouldn't be blamed on you know the spotter so to speak you feel like that that's going to take a while to change if you're going from a player's perspective here because you say you're kind of old school. I mean, I look at that play and, you know, I, I do disagree. I think there's there was another call that he got fined for on Zach Kolaris that knocked him out in 2014. Yeah. That was legit. Yeah. That was shoulder. There might have been a little bit of contact to the head, but it wasn't the point. This, to me, I feel like he was driving a little bit. And, again, I don't think Odell Willis was meaning to go head-to-head with them yeah. and injure him that way. But is there is there a learned thing to it as a player like is are you well, driving with your helmet or like to me because I, I, I guess my I, argument is he could go in with his shoulder to his body and take him down I mean this this is my this is my issue I mean I'm a running back and you know I, there's a hit la- last year I took from uh, Micah Awe from BC and you know after him spearing and hitting people's head all year you know I get hit and my helmet flies off and it was it was an intentional an intentional hit and nothing happens but why because I'm a running back you know I just think I just think the whole protect the quarterback thing I think you should protect everyone and I think that there's there's definitely certain players I think you know there's there's certain players yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna call them one more season yeah, before yeah. I go your tippy toe yeah the tip of your lip Andrew. go ahead man set yourself free <laughs> there's certain players that are definitely dirty and um, and I think that certain situations be looked at differently but even in the NFL I mean the, the fact that guys are getting penalized for landing on quarterbacks just with their body weight that that I just, I just feel like things are getting too soft, and um, I'm going to leave it at that. Perfect. We'll leave it at that. Hey, you know what, Andrew, man? Awesome. Finally got to do it. I, I remember you ending this last time being like, man, we're going to, you know, it's, it's not going to be a long time until we do it before. I hope we do it again soon. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for sharing your insight. And, uh, yeah, check us out, guys. You can get us on uh, iTunes, anywhere you guys uh, get podcasts. You can set it up to a point where they'll send it to you and, and, and um, the podcast player apps on, on your phones, and it will just send it right to you whenever a new one comes. So thanks, Andrew, man. Appreciate it. And uh, one more game before, uh, before heading to the playoffs. Yeah, we're excited about that. And, uh, you know, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm sorry that it took so long, but... Uh, you know, life life is busy, but uh, this was great, and I'm looking forward to the next one too.